Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I trust everyone had a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, we are less than 24 hours away from electing the next president of the United States. That has to be one of the most exciting things right now going on. Less than 24 hours away. Two years we set on a course, and here we are about to achieve something that we do every four years. Do we build back better? Or do we can stay the course and continue to make America great again? I'm excited. More than 100 people have already voted. Can you imagine it? More than 100 million people have already voted. If you're Joe Biden, you gotta think that's good for me. But if you're Trump, you got to think that's good for you. you. You don't know. You don't. Right now, we don't know where it's going to break down at. All we do know is that a hundred million people have voted. That's great. That is wonderful. That is what makes democracy that important. I mean, if you look at the states, you look at the battleground states. Texas could turn blue. Georgia could turn blue. Ladies and gentlemen, we are close to a realignment in this country that might be that way for a while. I'm excited. Please, 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 whatever you're doing, give my friends some play. They had a new episode. The Girl, the Gov, the podcast. The Girl and the Gov, the podcast. Great episode. Get you ready for election day. They break down what could happen, what will happen. It's a great episode. Two great girls, the girl and the gov, the podcast. So please give it some play. So as we sit here, we're wondering, we're laying out. It's like Christmas, Christmas Eve. It's election Eve. You know, we don't know what we're going to get. Are we going to get Joe Biden or are we going to get Trump? You know, if you say, Mark, what do you want? I don't know. If I ask my buddy, he's a Biden supporter. I ask my other friends, they're Trump supporters. And if I ask the people that live around me, they'd probably say Trump. That's why when people say they bring up, you know, the virus and all this, and they said, oh, none of that shit matters. Trump has built in his supporters to the point the man told us he could shoot someone on 25th Avenue. 25th Avenue and not get arrested. You know what? That's true. Trump has a way with his supporters that if they would walk through coal, burning coal for that man, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But, I I would say, okay, there's nothing wrong with that. They love Trump, and you got to respect that. I respect that. But the one thing about his supporters I wish they wouldn't do, that when the left does it to the right, they get pushback. As you look in Texas, what did we see in Texas? You had a caravan block a bus that would have that would have, that basically prevented the Biden people from holding their campaign event. You don't have to agree with Biden. You don't have to agree with his message. But please, whatever you do, allow his people to talk. Allow his people to speak. You know, 
you don't have to agree with it. But this is where politics, in my eyes, where I talk about the Civil War, makes it take a bad turn. We're better than that. This is a country where you can have opposing ideas, but at the same time, you learn to just disagree. And right now in this country, we're not doing that. We're so dead set on saying it's my way or the highway. You know Biden's not going to win Texas. Texas is not going to turn blue anytime soon. It's not. And I respect that. But every four years, what happens? The Democrats get a little closer. The Democrats get a little closer. One day, they will climb that mountain. One day. But until then, they will not. And you have to learn to respect it. Basically, it's like somebody running in this. Basically, Biden's basically wasting money in Texas. Just pay me the money you were going to pay the people in Texas because you're just throwing the money you're spending down there. You're just throwing it down the chain, the drain. You're not going to win Texas. If, if I will say this, if Joe Biden wins Texas, heed my words, you got a landslide. There was there That would mean there's been such a movement in this country, so adamant, so adamant against the president, that even a state with 38 delegates is turning its back on Trump. Can you imagine? 38 delegates, Texas going blue. That's got to be amazing. 38 delegates. If you ask me, what, what do I see? I don't see Texas turning blue. I see Texas remaining red. But I will say, if you pull back and you look deep in, I see Texas starting to turn blue, or inside Texas, it's blue. Well, the outside, the state offices still hold a red majority. And that's the way the country is. A lot of people say, if you look at the map, you look at the map, there are a lot more red states and blue states. And it's only to the fact that you people who listen to this are smart. Know that, I think it was my stomach, know that the, the, the left lives, basically the left lives on the east and the west and fairly live in the middle. I, I think, look at Georgia. I think Georgia. I think Arizona. Florida, I don't know, but I, I would say those two states, in my eyes, go blue. You might say, well, Mark, why, you, you said something about Texas, but why Georgia? Having lived in Georgia, I can see the shift happening. And if you look at what happened in the governor's race with Stacey Abrams, I think she she, she was like a hornet that she, she rivaled up these people where I think Biden's going to get enough black support to come out in the suburbs of Atlanta that's going to allow Joe Biden to carry the state, which would shock, shock the Republicans in Georgia. And I think it's going to be so good that it's going to ripple effect for down-ballot races.
down ballot races. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, one state that people don't talk about, one state, Virginia. Ken Cuccinelli lost his governor's race by one point. Virginia is a state that no one likes to talk about. But I could see Joe Biden struggling in Virginia, having not taken it seriously. But as a person who follows politics, even Hillary Clinton struggled. She won the state, but even she struggled a little bit. So my opinion is look at Virginia. Virginia is a state to watch. So. Is anybody excited? Everybody ready? Another aspect. Um, the judge said that the DOG can't, DOJ cannot, def basically, they can't take the place of Trump from his lawsuit, his defamation lawsuit. And I know it's an old story. You see my point? Number one with this story is, why would the government, why, why would we, be defendants in a sexual lawsuit case against Trump. And the only aspect I would say is because I think Trump doesn't have the money to defend himself. I think he's so tightly wound that, you know, he'd rather have America do it than him. But, you know, it's not our place. It's his place. So with the judge basically saying no, you're on your own, definitely proved a point. Like I was saying, this is a, a referendum on Trump. And the biggest thing many people who follow politics says, tell us that, and, you know, mid, uh, basically when a president runs for re-election, they have to make it a choice election. I, I want to say this. I, don't, I think it was always going to be a referendum on Trump. And I would I just basically say I think it was always going to be referendum on Trump, only to the fact that if you look at how he's governed for the last four years, I feel that he made it a referendum on him, and it was only how he governed. He never governed as a president of all fifty states. It was only I'm going to talk to my people who elected me. So basically, he be, he became the president of the red states. And that's not what we need. We need a president that's willing to be president of all 50 states. All 50 states. If not, you can leave. But like I said, we, we don't know. Trump could possibly win again. Here's a man who got off his deathbed. Got off his deathbed and started holding rallies. He looked and he knew that he was, so basically had Trump not, had Trump not started campaigning like he was, I think he would have been in a worse position and he would have allowed Biden to truly go out there and the lead would be a lot more. The one thing I want to get on this podcast, on this episode, is I want to write a letter. So this is my letter 
to the next president of the United States. Now I want to say, Mark, I know people are saying, well, Mark, uh, Trump is the president. But this is my letter to the next president of the United States. I'm sorry, I'm drinking coffee. Next president of the United States. Drink a little coffee. Mr. President, congratulations. You won a hard-fought battle. And I applaud you. Number one, I didn't vote for you. I didn't find your message appealing. I thought it was lackluster. And through the whole campaign, I felt you never spoke to me. I feel like you spoke at me, but never to me. I had a feeling like you could never really solve my issues or my problems. You would tell me you would, but you never could. I feel that after the election day, you forgot about me. I know you say how when you've just been sworn in, and I agree, you've just been sworn in. But I feel like even now, you have forgot about me. I live in a state that you do not recognize, yet choose to ignore. But I'm here. I might not be a supporter of yours, but I'm an American citizen. I'm your constituent, and I want you to treat me as such. Mr. President, I know right now what's on your plate is a lot. I know you are facing a list of items a mile long before you get to the issues that truly face this country. I pray and I hope for your success because your success is my success. And that's what I want for America. But the topics that you have to tackle in the next four years, they're not a lot. Just a few. They can seem like a lot. But when they seem like a lot, it's a big tell of who you are. Mr. President, what I would like to see you tackle in this next, in this new term, is education. In my heart of hearts, I feel like education has to be one of the most important things that we have. But every year after year, Republicans have slowly started to peel away education. They take money out of the coffers to fund other projects. But how can we truly lead the world when we don't invest in our next generation? Basically, education is an investment to the future for the next leaders of this country. And I feel like. We need to invest. When I talk about education, I mean investing in trade schools, investing in colleges, putting more money in Pell Grants, reforming student loans, where we allow people to, basically we give people a path to pay off their student loans a lot sooner to help them out. Be it, we allow people to allow bank to file, use it for bankruptcy. Excuse me, drink coffee. We take back the power from the colleges and tell them college is not about 
what they have. It's about teaching the youth. So get rid of all the amenities and put back the libraries, put back the books, and truly invest on education. Another thing on that list would be healthcare. Healthcare, I know, Mr. President, you have said that it's the hardest thing you've ever had to deal with, ever face. The last president got healthcare taken care of, but it didn't go all the way. It basically became a plan that only benefited the few, not all. What I ask today and what I'm asking you, Mr. President, is to push a public option. And you might say, why a public option? I feel that healthcare is a right, not a privilege. And I feel people who go against healthcare are telling you that you shouldn't have it and that it's a government scheme don't truly care about you. Mr. President, I want you to care. I want you next month, February, to put a health care bill on the floor. And as you put that health care on the bill on the floor, I want you I wanted to speak to me. A public option. Basically, the way I would I would suggest that you do health care is you align it with Social Security and basically how much you get paid yearly will be your deductible. So if you make $40,000 a year, you would submit that to the IRS when you do your taxes, and they would send you a letter letting you know what your new copay is. It's a simple plan, but it's one that truly allows everyone to have, have health care. The more you make, the more your copay is. The less you make, the less your copay is. It's a plan that benefits everybody, where everybody's not paying the same, but they're paying just enough in a different kind of way. Mr. President, jobs. We need them. Right now, the biggest aspect facing me is a good paying job. That's what I ask, that's what I seek. I know many people don't know, but Mr. President, I'd like you to focus on jobs this term. Focus on good American paying jobs where people can support and take care of their family. For so for far so long, we've allowed business to dictate to us what our salaries should be. Take the risk, Mr. President. Take the risk and finally raise the minimum wage. Make it a livable wage where people do not aren't forced to work two to three jobs a week. Mr. President, I beg of you. Jobs. Let, jo let yourself be called the jobs president.
That's all I ask. And the economy. Mr. President, right now we're facing, if I had to show, we're, we're facing something in this country that no one after the Spanish flu thought we would ever have to deal with ever again. But here we are, another pandemic. Mr. President, once you truly get COVID under control, and I pray that you finally get it under control, stop the tweeting, stop campaigning, and just focus on the virus. Take a step back, point a czar, and let the scientists do the talking. Let the scientists do the talking. I know that it's hard, Mr. President. I know you sit and you wonder and you say, why? I know more than them. And it, and it could be, Mr. President, you could know more. You could know more than the scientists and the czar. But, Mr. President, be the bigger man and take a step back. Take a step back and truly focus on the virus. Once you get the virus under control, I mean truly under control, it'll be like dominoes pieces and everything will fall and align in place. Mr. President, I also pray, for, finally, let's do something on infrastructure. Let's build this country again. We don't build again. Once you build, that will bring the jobs that you need. Mr. President, put an infrastructure bill on the table. And the first 10 days, I beg of you, Mr. President, put an infrastructure bill on the table. An infrastructure bill, yes, yes, Mr. President, might raise the deficit. Might raise the deficit. But at the same time, you will see your economy flourish flourish. Another thing, Mr. President, make it be your last task. Truly focus on the deficit in this country. During the campaign, you called out your opponent that he was going to rise to raise taxes. And Mr. President, he was going to raise taxes. But at the same time, you're going to have to be forced to raise taxes. This country is broke. And we cannot cut our way to prosperity. We have to have cuts and we have to have taxes. We've got to raise revenue. These are the little subtle things that we can do. Healthcare, infrastructure, the economy. Mr. President, focus on an energy bill. 
focus on an energy bill. Focus on an energy bill. Let's get off the teat of oil and focus on natural resources. Let's be the first country that truly tackles and embraces, embraces energy of the future. Let's not leave it to China and Russia to write the rules. Just simple things, Mr. President, simple things that if we do these things, do these things in the next four years, this country would be on good fitting. Mr. President, I know that you say your policies last term benefited, benefited everybody. But no, no, they have not. They've only benefited the top 1%. Mr. President, I beg of you, truly pass a tax cut that takes care of the middle class. Just the middle class? Is that too much to ask to pass a bill that truly takes care of me, my friends, my family? The middle class. And far too long, people forget about the middle class the moment, the moment they get sworn in. Mr. President, please, whatever you're doing, Focus on these things. The economy, infrastructure, good paying jobs. Mr. President, I, I, I beg of you to put a bill on the floor. Put a bill on the floor that would tackle term limits. Mr. President, we need them. We need term limits. We need fresh meat in there, so to say, every four years. Put a bill on the floor that tackles term limits. Please, Mr. President. Mr. President, pass a bill that truly affects single moms and will focus on child care. A child tax credit. Reform it. These are the subtle things I pray you to do, Mr. President. Now, I know as we sit here and I wrap up this letter, I know I haven't named a lot, and I know you will go back and you'll question and you'll add, Mr. President, this is only the negotiating phase. This is my step to you on things I see that can get done that would truly make this country a great place to live. Money out of politics, education, the economy, healthcare, healthcare, pay, jobs, infrastructure, just subtle things that the American people want, Mr. President that will better our lives as much as we try to better yours. One thing I would write to Joe Biden, 
you have criticized this president for his handling of the coronavirus. And by all means, you have the right to criticize. My question to you, Mr. Vice President, is what are you going to do differently that's going to make this virus better than it is, it is, it has been, or if we don't deal with it, what it will be? Let me know, Mr. President, or Mr. Vice President, what are you going to do? What are you going to do differently? Right now, I feel Trump was late to the party, but he's now standing up and he's truly tackling these things. Mr. President, I pray that you receive a Congress willing to help you to truly allow you to make your country bright again. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, so Mr. President, I beg of you, before I go and we get ready for the second half, I just want to say thank you, Mr. President. Thank you for your time, your understanding, and I truly feel that whatever you decide will allow us to get to the other side and achieve the unachievable. We have a chance to rise from this to be the greatest country on the face of the earth. Mr. President, that only happens if you're willing to meet us halfway. I beg of you, Mr. President. Thank you for reading my letter. I pray that it finds you in jest and understand. Join me for the second half. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I trust everyone enjoyed the first half. We laid out the letter. We talked about what we felt was most important to the American people. We basically tackled it like a president coming in office in what we feel the president should focus on check by point check by point you know he should tackle this area and then tackle this area to be more effective to truly be a great leader my take on that is i feel that you know i would give it to the president but i would say if you truly want to be a great president Focus on these things first. Focus education, job security, you know. These are the things that the American people right now truly want. Excuse me. We're tired of you kicking the can down the road every four years. And telling us it's too hard, it can't get it can't get done. The one thing about the American people, we would say, if it's too hard, maybe we should find someone else that can do the job. Because you're telling us it's too hard, but if you look at our lives, it's too hard. We're asking you to find a new source of energy and to get off the tit of oil. Come on. 
We sent you to Washington to tackle the hard jobs. The hard jobs. We sent you to Washington to do the hard stuffs. And if you can't do the hard stuff, why are you in Washington? Why did you take the job? Jobs, security, minimum wage. These are the things that America and the middle class want. We might be different. I might be Republican, you might be Democrat, but I'm no different than you. I want what you want. I want to take care of my family. At the same time, I want a good paying job where I can do that. And at the end of the day, if I have money left over, I want to put money away for a rainy day. I'm tired of living check to check. Aren't you? You cannot even pass a corona bill. Yet you come to me and say you want me to elect you. That goes for Congress, too. You tell me it's too hard. You tell me that you cannot come together. But every four years, what do I hear? I'm a deal maker. I know how to negotiate. I know how to work with the other side. Then work with the other side. Quit making it all about you and make it about the American people. Lead. Lead. We sent you to Washington to lead. Is it that hard? Is it just that hard to lead? To truly want to make this country better than it's ever been. Make this country what it can be. I'm tired of kicking that fucking can down the road year after year and hearing the same line. You're doing too much. We can't do it. Maybe another time. We don't have another time. People are suffering now, not tomorrow, not yesterday, but now. We need your help now. That's why we sent you to Washington to lead. So lead. Is it that hard to lead, to take a stand, to truly want to make America work again, think again? Breathe again, to be better again, to get over this coronavirus again, to live without face mask again. What kind of world would that be? To have a Congress that tackles education, energy, jobs, healthcare, pay. Many people would say, well, Mark, what happens if we tackle all these issues? What do we do now? I'd say, what do you do now? You go out and you tackle foreign policy and you make other people's life great 
to. But until you make our lives better, don't look outside this country, look inside. It's like what mama used to say, you can't go outside until you clean the house. Ladies and gentlemen, the house is a mess. It needs to be cleaned. It needs to be clean. It needs to be wiped down. We have to do something now or we're going to take a lapse as a country. You might say, Margie, yes, I'm here to recruit you. I want to make your life better. I need to make your life better. I want to make your life better. But right now, we have to hand that letter to the next president of the United States, and we have to look him in the eye and say, tackle these things first. Justice reform. Filibuster. None of that shit matters. Sitting at the table and passing a bill that truly works for the middle class. That goes for a tax cut, too. Could you imagine if if you passed a tax cut that truly went to the middle class? Truly went to the fucking middle class? But you can't even pass a, a stimulus bill because you don't care about the middle class. We don't have a lobbyist. The stock markets are lobbyists, but you won't even listen to him. Ladies and gentlemen, we're standing right now on the crossroads and we don't know which way to go. Do we go left or do we go right? Do we build back better or do we continue to make America great again? I want to make America whole again. I want to make America breathe again. I want to make America work again. But most of all, I want it fucking all. Tackle my fucking letter. Let's do it today. I'm tired. Every four years you come to my door, you you look me in the eye and you say, I can make your life better. Just elect me, you tell me. Elect me. And what do you do? You don't negotiate. You don't do shit. Yet you show up year after year and you want my vote. I'm tired of giving my vote out and not getting anything in return. Did you know people in Congress get more vacation than me and you? Did you know people in Congress have better better working hours than me and you? You make a hundred plus something a year and you might, that's more than I make. Well, you say, well, Mark, I have to have a house. Yeah, you got to have a house in D.C. and in Washington. But guess what? And where you live. But you wanted that. I pay you a decent fucking wage that I don't even pay myself. And all I ask is for a little action. Show me that you care. On election eve... I sit here, I stand here, and I wonder, I say to myself, is this election the election where we truly fix what's ailing, ailing America? Do we finally get rid of the special interests? Do we finally focus on these things? Negotiate? 
Some view it as a dirty word. I don't. I view it as a word that can make America great again. I'm tired. I'm tired of listening to the same crap year after year. I sit here with my eyes closed and my head bound, and I pray that on Election Eve, we truly have elected a president, or will elect a president, that truly wants to make my life better than what it what it is and what it what it ever will be. Please, please, please. So every four years, what's the biggest thing that we face? Propositions on the ballot. So I pulled up my ballot for where I live at. So I pulled it up. Let's see, we got. I'm looking. I also pulled up one for Georgia. So Georgia, where I lived all my life in my district of Calvita County, I pulled up a ballot on the Senate. You've got David Perdue. He's facing John Ossoff and Shane Hazel. Hazel, Libertarian Party. Um, looking at that race, I'm going to say Ice Ossoff is going to shock the world. He's not going to get 50%, but he's going to get damn near close, and there will be a runoff. So as you know, uh, Trump and Biden and Jerkerson. U.S. House District 3, where, where I live, where I basically that's my old district. It's a Republican district. I'm going to say the Republican, Mr. Drew Ferguson, will take it. And then the special Senate race in Georgia. I think you're going to have another shock. I think Raphael Warnick will take it. He will take that race uh, over and basically head for a runoff. Just going down. Do do do. Georgia House Representative District Seventy. Lynn Smith, incumbent, running unopposed. That's got to be a great feeling to run out of pose, I think. All right, we'll look at my ballot, where, I'm, where I live at. Let's see. So Wisconsin, got the presidential race. District 3, Ron Kine and Derek. I'm going to go to Ron Kine. Patty Sher, Rob. I'm going to go with Rob. Uh, let's see, Rippers, let's see. Dunn County question. Fair mapping referendum. Should the Wisconsin legislature create a nonpartisan procedure for the preparation of legislation and congressional district plans and maps? My question for that, I'm not going to tell you where I wrote, but I think a lot of uh, uh, states are going to this. Where, And I think it's a good idea where you're taking the mapping out of the party's hands and you're creating a non, basically a board to handle it and make it fair. And for any politicians to not want that, you need to look them in the eye and say, why not? Why would you not want a fair map that represents the people of the state? I mean, it's common sense to me. I mean, it should be common sense to you. We all want a fair map. 
you know, what makes you special or you deserve a different map? All right, question two. Increasing the levy. Oh, basically, it's a referendum on basically giving more money. Not going to tell you how I'm going to vote on that, but I think the biggest things we look at, you know, is, is referendums. I think every year, you know, you see that. You know, I think Florida, the biggest one they had was, you know, allowing felons to vote. You know, they said they paid their dues, so they should be allowed to vote. And, and you've got to agree with that. You know, they paid their dues. They should vote. I'm pulling up Virginia here. Um, Mark Warner up for re-election. Didn't really know he was up for re-election this year. Must have been very sweeping into office. Looks like he will win that seat handily. Don't really see any propositions on the ballot for them. I'll see. The biggest state I saw with a lot would be California. Let's look at California while we got time. Sorry, my computer as I'm talking to you. That's, I'm sorry, I'm looking. Should have had this pulled up already. I apologize. I apologize. Let's see, Georgia's California. They just got a lot. And California 13 statewide ballot propositions are on the ballot for election in 2020. 12 were certified to appear on the ballot for the election in November 2020. On ballot measures, Proposition 13 was the ballot for highlight. Uh, proposition issued 15 billion bond for school and college for 50. That one was turned down. Proposition 14 increased 5.5 billion in bonds for state stem cell research institute. Uh, Proposition 21, expand local government power to use rent control. I think that's a good proposition. I think I would have I would vote yes on that. One that I heard, Proposition 22, consider app-based drivers to be independent contractors and enact several labor policies related to app-based companies. Um, this one is basically going against uh, DoorDash and Uber basically saying their drivers aren't workers, but basically independent contractors. Oh, this is an interesting one. Proposition 25, replacing cash bail with risk assessments for suspects waiting trial. With that one, I'm a little torn. Um, I think if I lived in California, I think I would vote a no on that. I don't think you should replace bail and do risk assessments because people can lie and be misgiving. Um, I think the biggest thing on that one would be to look at the person and try to do a case-by-case -case study to the point that maybe if you feel like the person is not going to run and, you know, is well, that maybe you don't charge them that much in bail, but you know, someone who smiles in your face today could be stabbing you in the back tomorrow. So I feel that that measure should be voted down. Let's see. 
That's interesting. Uh, looking, looking. Oh, here's this one. Proposition 20, make changes to policies related to criminal sentencing changes present in relation to DNA collection. That's interesting. Proposition 18, allow 17-year-olds who will be 18 at the time of the next general election to vote in primaries and special election. Um, that one I would vote no on. Um, restore the rights to vote to people convicted of felonies who are on parole. I'd vote yes on that. I think if you've done your time, I think you should be allowed to get your voting rights back. All right. Very interesting propositions. And every four years we get them. I know the one thing that you are starting to see a lot are the the basically taking mapping out of a party's hands and truly placing it in uh, a nonpartisan group's hands. You know, I don't see how hard that is, you know, so you basically have people who, you know, sit at a table. I think they have a computer system. You basically said, this is our state of Wisconsin. You draw up the maps and you say, this is the map. As you know, um, the census ended, so we will see what's going to happen. And I think the biggest shift you'll see where if you live in a northern state you probably will lose some seats in Congress. And if you live in a southern state, I think you will see some. So, one thing I wanted to talk about is the Lincoln Project. The Lincoln Project. Um, as if you listened to the last, uh, my last episode, my last podcast, I talked about taking a stand, putting your name on it. You know, not being anonymous, which, you know, I felt like, you know, I look, I look at that story and the guy was anonymous and then all of a sudden, you know, he comes out and says, hey, and, you know, he's like, you know, basically the guy was saying he was preventing Donald Trump from destroying this country. And I basically was arguing, you know, Donald Trump was elected, you weren't elected. So if you don't like what Donald Trump stands for or he's done, then by all means, there's the door. But don't stay in power and then come out later saying you stayed because you were preventing and protecting the American people from the worst of Donald Trump. My question would be, well, if that's the case, that's what we have elections for. You don't have to agree with what the president's doing, but guess what? He is the president of the United States. You have to respect him and respect the office. Or is that saying you don't have to respect the man, respect the office? But the Lincoln Project, it's a, a group of Republicans that have come out. In 2016, you had a lot of never-Trumpers that just did not like Trump. And so 2019, they created this group called the Lincoln Project. And the biggest aspect of the Lincoln Project was to make Donald Trump a one-term president. Their mindset was if they could shade off just a little bit of his support, they could possibly cause him the election. And I will say some of their videos are very compelling that if you are a Trump supporter, it truly makes you think. And I think when you make a political ad, that's where you need to get. You need to make an ad where people don't know who the person is or they have a pre-known 
it's kind of like if you followed ads in 2012 and the picture Barack Obama painted of Mitt Romney. Basically, he painted a picture before Mitt Romney stepped on stage. It's like we knew who Mitt Romney was. We didn't know him for the better. We knew him for the worse. And that's what the Lincoln Project, I feel like, has done. To the point Donald Trump can't even stand them. You know? But my question, and what makes me look at the Lincoln Project and respect them, what happens if Donald Trump loses? What do you do then? I feel that if Donald Trump loses, I feel the Lincoln Project goes away. But if I said well, Donald Trump wins, the Lincoln Project goes away. Excuse my language. They go away. But I feel like if the Lincoln Project basically stays on, if uh, Joe Biden becomes the next president. But I also feel that as much as they've been helping Joe Biden, and I want to get into this not tonight, but. I feel like they'll definitely be watching what he he's going to do, his policies. And if they don't agree with it, they're going to cut ads. They're going to do videos. They truly you know, have come out and said they started as something, but we're going to stick around for a while. So, you know, but I feel like a lot of them will catch heat if Donald Trump. I feel like if I'm talking in circles, I feel like if Donald Trump loses. They go away, and they catch heat from fellow Republicans who say, you just couldn't suck it up. We got the judges. We got the tax cuts. We got everything a conservative could want, yet you helped elect a Democrat. Heed my words. I feel like if Donald Trump loses, Mitt McConnell will be happy. Mitch McConnell's got everything he's wanted from Donald Trump. Everything. He's played Donald Trump for a fool and a like a fiddle. But the ads are impressive. I like where the people come. They put their name, it's like the Constitution and John Hancock. They put their name on the paper and they said, This is who we are. We're ex-Republicans. We were driven from the party. We don't even recognize our old party. But this is who we are, and this is what we stand for. The one thing they've always, someone said, would make some effective is, unlike Republican Democrats who cut ads and want to tackle these multiple different things, Republicans just tackle one issue at a time. And I think that's what makes it more effective. You know, which has allowed them to get under the president's skin and, as you know recently, allowed them to get under Ivanka and Jared's skin. And you might say, well, look at it. I mean, they, they posted it. They paid for a billboard, and they talked about corona deaths and the first, I mean, the Ivanka and Jared and what they've said. I mean, to me, Jared's been a freaking just disaster on this coronavirus where he was going to allow the blue states to die until he realized it was, you know, affecting the red states too. So, the Lincoln Project. Please be on the lookout for them. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got five minutes. Oh. Huh. So, like I said, Donald Trump. 
Donald Trump. You know, no matter what happens tomorrow, win, lose, or draw, and a buddy that predicted the election last time for me has already made his prediction. Win, lose, or draw. This has definitely been a very interesting election. And to me, a lot of people are saying, I'll be glad when it's over. I love politics for the way it is and what it can be. I feel like Donald Trump was a president in a way for his people, but I wish he would have been a president for me and my people. Donald Trump is a president that, on the right, has reached out to the African-American community. He did it where other people gave up on it at his party. Donald Trump is a president that broke the blue wall by just simply talking to the people who lived there and letting them know that I truly understand and feel your pain. Now, you might say, well, Mark is not conscious. You know, I feel like he did. He spoke, as you, they, people say, they forgot man, forgot woman. He spoke to them. He said, I hear you. I understand you. You've been robbed for year after year. I'm not going to do it anymore. Promises made and promises kept. That's what it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I pray tonight that you vote tomorrow. You stand your ground. Be it you vote left, be it you vote right, be it you vote for Donald, Joe Biden, Joe Jurgerson, or Howie Howe. Just get out and vote. Let your voice be heard. There's so many people in the world today that would love to vote, would love the opportunity to vote, but can't. I'm asking you to stand with me. Vote, vote, vote. And if you can't, or you know someone who can't, take them with you. Make them vote. Let's truly change America. Right now, we're close to 100 million people voting. That's impressive. That's truly impressive. Ladies and gentlemen, please vote, vote, vote. Please, what are you doing? Especially listen to my friend's next episode, Girl in the Gov. The podcast, please give it some play. Girl in the Gov, the podcast. Listen to their new episode where they talk about the election. Get out and vote. Only you can make a change. Starts with you, doesn't start with anybody else. They might only talk to us for four years. We might, but this is your chance. If you don't like who's representing you, even if you listen to somebody, you listen to this, and you live in a district where the person's been running unopposed, like we had, a, which I read the ballots off Georgia. Write someone else in, make them sweat, and if you don't like it, challenge them next 
challenge them in two years. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Enjoy Election Day. Please go out and vote. The Girl, the Gov, the podcast. Please give it a listen. Good night.